It is time to draw a line under the map. We will strive for the denazification of Ukraine. Let me put it to you, Justin. Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side. The idea is flying migrants to the web. I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where each week, without many exceptions, I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? There are so many amazing opportunities now that we've unleashed the potential of British business. For example, this week, swimmers have been warned about raw sewage being pumped into the sea at 50 British beaches. Now... Instead of travel brochures showing those dated, dull pictures of clear blue sea around Devon and Cornwall, they can be artistic and show an interesting variety of shades of brown, enhancing our sense of colour. And in the future, if there's an Olympic event of 200 metres butterfly through disused tampons, we'll be strong favourites as we've had so much practice. When we were in the EU, If you tried tipping a city's poo into a tourist area, some busybody would be along with a clipboard insisting you scooped it up into a bag like a dog owner. But now we've won back our liberty. One water executive responded to this news by saying it's up to the British public to decide whether they should swim in the sea because at last we've been given a choice. This is the choice we were promised when the water companies were privatised. When they were publicly owned, You had no choice but to swim in a boring sea that was just wet everywhere. But now you can either carry on in a sea that's old-fashioned or choose a more interesting one with all the modern opportunities with islands of mucky toilet paper floating through it. Katie Taylor of Scottish Water reassured us by saying it was up to the public to decide whether it's safe, hinting we shouldn't worry because the sea is... 95% rainwater. And surely none of us are so fussy that we're going to worry about a sea that is only 5% human shit. I'm sure Katie Taylor would have the same attitude if you were around her house and instead of going to the toilet, you just went on the settee. I shan't worry about that, she'd say, as 95% of the living room is still perfectly clean. If you go to the cafe and you get a dog turd in your cheese and pickle sandwich, they're quite entitled to go, what are you moaning about? The sandwich is still 95% cheese and pickle. Environmental Agency Chief of Staff John Leyland spoke for common sense when he said, Britain's rivers are not for swimming, they're for fish. This is the sort of person we want in charge of the environment. If we can't go in the water without catching the plague, that's our fault for wanting to muck about with nature by wanting to swim in the first place. After all, in the 16th century, we could chuck our waste into the street. And back then, Britain was strong, regularly beating the Spanish in wars. But since then, we've brought in these weedy laws about not tipping urine on people's heads. And that's why we get pushed around by Russia. In any case, bonuses to water company executives have gone up 20% in the last year. So they must be doing a good job. Perhaps one irony is that so much sewage will be pumped into the channel it will form a bridge of muck that connects us to Europe more strongly than ever before. What? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the 
Now, a lot of people are very worried about the cost of living crisis, especially this woman who I heard in a cafe the other day. Well, I heard Richard Maidley on Good Morning Britain say there's a cost of living crisis and I thought, tell me something I don't know. I paid £12 for a jar of quince and ocelot relish from Waitrose only yesterday. And it's not just luxuries. We're talking about essentials like stem ginger and truffle butter. And now the nanny is insisting that we give her more money when she goes to buy our shopping. I said, (laughs) it's up to you to use your initiative and find the same things we usually have, only cheaper. You must be able to get Gravidlax at Poundland or wherever it is you buy your own food. And she says she has to get most of her food from the food bank nowadays. Heaven knows what a food bank is, but mm, it sounds like a good idea. I assume you invest your food and then, well, take out the extra food as interest whenever you want. I must get Colin to look into it, but oh, he's been very busy lately as he's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Rygate area. And, well, they've had to put their prices up too. And on top of all that, the cost of living crisis means that Tara can't afford to go to spin class anymore. So now, well, she has to stay at home every Wednesday night while I'm out and... That's the night that Colin works late, so he can't keep a company either. And Calvados, our homeopath, is threatening to put his prices up too, even though I explained that Nectarine needs her rescue remedy, as she's been very stressed because it's only three years until she gets her GCSE results. Oh, but that's the trouble with some people. It's just me, me. Excuse me. Does anybody want to buy my leftover celeriac salad? There's at least a pound's worth here. Now, one of the most important uh, important things that you have to understand if you're going to try and work out what the fuck is going on is that you need expert advice from around the world, from some of the most exotic countries that you can, you, you can even imagine. And that's what uh, we have today because I'm very pleased that with me here is Jenny Colgan, uh, a writer of several hundred thousand books, and who lives in Scotland and is Scottish, as you will uh, no doubt know. Hello, Jenny. Hello, Mark, <laughs> from the great foreign outpost of Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I said it's very, very exotic here, and especially at the moment, because I've been saying this every week, but uh, during the festival, Edinburgh is officially three hours ahead of England. Because everything, like two in the morning is 11 there, isn't it? Yeah, it do, you do get into a complete mindset. The, the weird thing as I get older is I can't believe what I used to do. And what I used to do was I used to work all day in my holidays. I'd work all day in a shop. Then I'd work all night in a venue till about 11-ish or a restaurant. Then I'd go out. <laughs> it's completely normal behaviour. Have a quick uh, shower at half 11, drink some coffee and go out. Oh, right. till four, you know, late in life, it's four, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, that was just, I suppose, I miss, I was going to say, do you know what I really miss? And of course, what I really miss is being young. That's what I actually <laughs> miss. But I, I did enjoy the festival when it was only, there was only about four venues, you know? So if oh, you went yeah. to late in life, then everybody would be there. And if you went and snuck into the assembly rooms VIP bar, then, uh, you know, I quite like that. Whereas now you see people about kind of late at night scuffling around going, oh, have you seen so-and-so? Because um, it's, it's just so huge now. And and it's been away for a couple of years. Last year we had a kind of little mini one, which is kind of, it was slightly adorable in a very old-fashioned one room at the Pleasance kind of away and slightly terrible, of course, because it was all outdoors in a car park. 
Uh, whereas this year it seems to have come back like a huge raging torrent. Yeah, everybody, everyone vaguely connected to entertainment, and even people who aren't connected to entertainment, you meet, they go, you go, oh, hang on, what do you do, mate? Oh, I'm a butcher. I'm a I'm a master butcher down the old Kent Road. But we're doing a show <laughs> up at a festival. I'm doing poems <laughs> about sausages. The right fucking problem because nothing rhymes with sausage. So you know, I've had to fucking sort that out. But and uh. Uh, everyone seems to be going up there and doing a show, and I and of course some people bless them. They think that they just automatically will get an audience, and you know. And then there's people who go, "Oh, I can't understand it. No one's no one's come to my one man play about how to tighten a screw." Well, a- do you know the funny thing? Because there probably is like the Edinburgh International Sausage Festival is also simultaneously kind of being engulfed, <laughs> but something like that where someone's like, "Let's take a bu- bunch of mates and share our mates." That'll do all right. The ones every single year are semi-famous Americans. You oh, know, you yeah. can, yeah, they just give off the aura of of kind of. But I spent, you know, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a master's yeah. in clowning. Yeah. Uh, and they just, they genuinely, you know, and they're going to the festival. Sorry, I've just been attacked by a dog. I do apologize. Uh, they're going to a festival. Right. It's the Edinburgh Festival. It's super famous, and you know, I always get the sense that maybe people think that you have to be selected, and they turn up and they get confronted with a wall of flyers and jugglers, and you can just see the panic. <laughs> and not necessarily just in their eyes, but like their parents' eyes. I saw a one uh, one man sh- a, uh, a one man show doing the whole of Breaking Bad in an hour, and I it was so bad that it was bad. It had gone round. You know, sort of something gets so bad it's good. It actually went past that and found a new thing where it was just terrible. And I just thought, oh. Mate, I really, really think you could do with taking crystal meth. Uh, it was really. When I, do you know what? We used to, my gosh, before children, and actually I wouldn't do it now because it would be mean, but back when they used to review everything, the Scotsman used to review yeah, yeah, everything, yeah, did, yeah. we would take the one star, the lowest one star review of anything we could find <laughs> at the time, and we would spend a whole day. We didn't have children then. We'd spend a whole day going to just see the one star. Shows. So I what was the worst some, one you saw? The worst one I saw was really just somebody was in a, inside like a kind of glass, oh, like a, a cocktail glass, but not in a sexy way. They were like doing Richard Third, but in a glass. And then I saw one where there was like six people there and someone just kind of on stage got really upset in the middle of doing it. It was that kind of week three when everybody's really hungover and it's all terrible. And after that, I stopped in after that because it was just like, oh, my God, you're 24. You know, you don't need some <laughs> dickheads in the audience going, I just ticked off my terrible one star show. So, you know, there were some horrors, but you're allowed allowed to do horrors really can you imagine i used to do that with films too can you imagine having with a bunch of mates we all used to do it. the time and space in your life to go see something deliberately terrible <laughs> yeah i'm afraid when i'm up oh. there i still i still do still do do that do and, you? Uh, yeah 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 now as another is another big scottish question so <laughs> It just occurs to me, Jenny, and you you are the person to be the spokesperson of this as you're Scottish. So I don't know where you stand on Scottish independence. I know you were against it. But do you, before we come to that, do you think that if, if Nicola Sturgeon can't get Scottish independence now after Brexit and being ruled by the clown's clown for three years and everything that's happened, 
then it's never going to happen if it doesn't happen now, is it? There, there has been... Oh, God, the whole thing is so stupid. So after Brexit, then lots of people like me, who didn't particularly want independence because we wanted to be part of a larger project, you see where this is going, Yes. kind of <laughs> switched sides and were like, okay, great, we will be Ireland, we will be part of Europe, we will get on with our neighbours, we will trade with our neighbours, we will take the euro, that's fine, if you want to go... We will come with you. About an equal number of people who were very, very pro-Scottish independence who had also voted for Brexit um, right. didn't want, don't want that at all, are very, very adamantly opposed to that. So the whole kind of 48, 52 percentage kind of switched, <laughs> but it's about, right. still about the same people. I think the real problem is if she can't get Europe on site because of Catalonia and mostly Catalonia, but all sorts of, of other issues, if that doesn't happen and we don't get accelerated membership and nobody has mentioned it, then adding more chaos to the chaos pudding island that we all currently <laughs> share is absolutely un. Thinkable. If you think, right, of how awful Brexit was, how it, that vote, it tore families apart, it tore couples yeah, yeah. apart, it was shouting, it was misery, it was awful. We had already lived through that. We'd already had two years of that, and then we had to have the whole fucking thing again. The chances of us having the whole fucking thing again, again, I would say are, are close to... Maybe you should keep having really controversial votes that to part, like so next year Glasgow is going to be fused with Edinburgh. <laughs> now, Jenny, so you have written how many books have you written? Loads. Well, yeah, it is like it kind of depends on the counting because some are for children and they're quite wee and some of them are short stories and, and so on. But yeah, we're kicking up high thirties, I think, ish. I don't know. I was looking. I've got a kind of, I don't keep a lot of copies, but um, I try not to keep a lot of anything. But I do keep one copy of every single one uh, for reading if I'm going to give a reading or if I need it to hand to check something for another book. And I was looking at that the other day. I was thinking, count that. And then I realized immediately there were loads missing. So I, uh, I don't Loads of your yeah, own no, yeah. books. But there will be yeah. people who will have all of your books with, with none missing. There are. Um, some there's usually because I've written a couple under a pseudonym. There's, you, you, there's usually a couple people haven't quite stumbled on. It's it's just it's kind of my kind of way of staying in publishing and not having to get another job. Is really I would like people to read nothing but. So if you yeah. read like a book in the summer and a book at Christmas time, then it would be awesome if I could fulfil all your <laughs> annual <laughs> reading requirements. <laughs> but you'll just be the the only the only person whose books you're allowed to read. Like, like I would imagine in China in about 1966, Mao got a very very good deal from his publisher that was along those lines. <laughs> what have you been reading? Are... What have you been reading this summer? Is Little Red? But I read that. <laughs> Marvelous! I never thought it would end like that. There's um there's loads of people that only read um. Jack Reacher, or oh, you must know people that have only ever read The Lord of the Rings, but they've read it like 15 times. Oh, and that's, yeah, that's yeah. reading. <laughs> that's yeah. the world of reading. What would be your next, uh, what's your next inspiration? Uh, I've, just, I've just had the worst, really difficult time writing. I wanted to write a book about a pilot, um, particularly the pilots up here who do puddle jumping between the islands, which is like a really vital oh, right. lifeline yeah, yeah, up yeah. In, in, in the highlands. And that was interesting to me and I wanted to write about it. 
and I didn't know anything about piloting. And so I went and flew a little plane and I started talking to pilots and basically it's really, really fucking complicated and difficult to be a pilot. And they're really amazing. And it's been a hor it's been such a horrible experience trying to research. Because with most jobs, right, if someone's a baker, you can pretty much put together what they do all day, or a doctor, or a teacher, or you know, you can kind of figure out what people do all day. Piloting, I kind of thought they just sat there and pressed a button and a computer flew a plane for them. I had no idea what they go through. And it's just been to the point where I was working with a lovely, amazing captain on a major airline. And he was really helping me out. And he finally, he's American. And after the last set of notes had come back and he was like, Jen, you can't, I'd reverse the plane. He's like, we can't reverse a fucking plane. <laughs> what do you think? We've got wing mirrors. And then he very sweetly and politely said, you know, you don't have to put my name in the acknowledgements, which is where you thank people that have helped you. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, of course, you know, you've been such a big, of course I'm going to put your name in the acknowledgements. Yeah. yeah. You don't put my name. <laughs> it's basically, it's so off the mark that it can but really. But Jenny, I his... don't know very much about aviation. But did you think you could reverse a plane? What, like, put it into? Oh, blimey! We've, do you know what? I mean, mine's drifted off. We've gone straight <laughs> past Portugal. Just put it in no, reverse. <laughs> no, when you're coming out of the stand, I thought they were reversing, oh, right. and they're not. They're being pulled by a wee guy in a truck. It's, it's the thing. I did a, one of the um, one of the in town shows up in uh, Orkney, one of the in the first oh. second series, and I did a bit about how the, the you'll know this, I'm sure, the shortest scheduled flight in the world is from Papa Ray Island to Papa West Ray Island. Papa it's West one Street. minute, and it goes just to the end of the runway, hops over a little bit of sea that must be a few hundred yards, a couple hundred yards, and then lands one minute later. And on the ticket, it says departure 12.30, arrival 12.31 or whatever. And so I did this bit about whether whether you have the same uh, in-flight in announcement. So as soon as it takes off, they go, <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to do it now, but it was a <laughs> welcome aboard this plane scheduled 2030 with our flight. We're we're going to be flying at a height of about 35 feet. Uh, please remember safety, seatbelts on. They're off now. You can go out to the like some customers. Some, uh, perfume, perfume. I haven't got time to buy the fucking perfume. Here's your meal. There's no time to eat it. Oh, shit. I've left me toothbrush. I'll have to fly back and start all over again. So, right, something like that. And uh, and it was in, in uh, with the, the nature of the place. So, that someone came down at the end and they said, uh, I, I really like that bit that you did uh, about the flight because I'm the pilot that flies that, that plane. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's of course you are. The idea that the pilot who flies the plane wouldn't be here. Of but course. Anyway, I digress. Jenny, we've been talking for uh, nowhere near long enough, but probably too long at the same time if we can get through that philosophical uh, puzzle. Thank you so much. What is your what? As if you need this bloody podcast to publicise your thing. You sell billions of books. How? Uh, what should we be uh, buying next? If it was one book, one book. What's the one that we should one that that we should read that you've written? Uh, I would say, oh goodness, uh, the Seaside Kitchen is the book I wrote when I first moved back to Scotland, and it's technically about someone moving to Scotland, but it's it's really it's my heart is on the page of that book, and most people like it a lot. There we are, the Seaside Kitchen. If you aren't familiar with the works of Jenny Colgan, that will be the start of it, and then you'll end up building a shrine to her by <laughs> Christmas. Thank you so much for explaining what the fuck is going on up there. 
Jenny, thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. It was lovely. The dumping of raw sewage on Britain's beaches has proved somewhat controversial. Now, we were hoping to speak to the head of the Environmental Health Agency, but unfortunately, he's gone down with cholera. So instead, to get his view on it, here's deceased Yorkshire cricketer, Fred Truman. Well, I, mean, I do not know what is going on. I mean, they, are, they are complaining about a little bit of human waste on a beach. <laughs> I mean, when I was a boy, we didn't consider it a holiday if we hadn't trodden in human waste on a beach. I mean, one summer holiday, we spent two weeks in the sewers under Barnsley. I mean, no, we would roll up the human muck into a ball and play cricket with it, but it was the best holiday we ever had. But I mean, now I don't know. I mean, my best mate, Billy Tibbles, his family won the pools, so they went for a fortnight in Sellafield, trip of a lifetime, splashing about in a pool of radioactive waste from the nuclear power plant. I mean, they didn't make a fuss. I mean, his brother was so radioactive, he was used as a missile in the Korean War, but I mean, he made the most of it. I mean, <laughs> and I mean, I remember wouldn't match up at... Nairsborough against Gloucester during the tea interval they dumped 300 tonnes of sewage onto the pitch just outside off stump so Fatty Arnold wonderful left arm spinner 64 stone fit as a fiddle he switched around the wicket so he could pitch the ball onto one turd in particular that was drying and offering an enormous amount of spin I mean he took four for 29 before lunch <laughs> and I mean if the batsman had complained he'd have been made to dress as he fish and been fed to the sea lions at Deep Sea World in Bridlington. He would not have done that again. <laughs> but, I mean, these days, what with health and safety and indoor toilets and what have you, I don't know. I give up. I just... Oh, what the fuck is going on? If you wish to support this podcast so that we can keep trying to find out what the fuck is going on then please sign up to patreon each week you'll get a longer ad-free version of the episode and uh, they're horrible i, I know i'm not gonna pretend they're not but they, they won't be there they won't they'll be you'll, you'll forget what an advert is uh there'll be extended interviews the interviews gone for much longer we oh, we cut out all sorts of bits and bonus sketches this week for example there's george galloway talking about the hosepipe band you'll also get the chance to take part in some ask me anything sessions uh, which we'll be sorting out soon. So I'll sort of sit there and just answer any question. Well, I won't. I, I probably won't, because if you ask me something about quantum physics, I might struggle with that, but uh, but I'll give it a go. Uh, so follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com, www.patreon.com, and type in what the F is going on. At £4 a month, you can get all that and help support this podcast and feel righteous. Heaven will be a doddle. They'll let you straight in. Now, podcastees, you may have noticed if you're particularly astute that this episode of the podcast has come out a little bit later, I don't know, a day later than usual. Uh, and there is a reason for this is because I've been running around trying to do the uh, in-town series. Also, I did lose half a day. Well, not half a day, about two hours of the day at the cricket. Ah, oh, I had a magnificent day at the cricket. 
Went to the cricket, thinking, oh, I probably should be working. Got there in the uh, the morning and saw just about a third of the day's play. And then there was the most unbelievably torrential downpour. And then spent the next three hours drinking cider with Miles Jupp underneath a concrete stanchion. Like a tramp. Absolutely perfect day sport. Not interrupted or spoilt in any way for the last three hours by cricket rearing its ugly head. Just cider with uh, TB's Miles Jupp. But that wasn't the main reason. The main reason is the the In Town series, which by the time that you hear this, the first episode in Nottingham would have gone out on Radio 4. They go out on Radio 4 at 6.30 every Monday. But they're also on the BBC Sounds app, where a much longer version than we've ever done before, about 50, 45, 50 minutes, will go out. And they will be there forever, which is slightly frightening. It will be what people find. It'll be the only thing people find on the planet in millions of years when they come down and we've all done ourselves in in some way. Uh, so that's what I've been. I've got, got one to record in Newport and then another one in Paris. And that's the reason it's a little bit late. So sorry about that, but uh, it wasn't much I could well, the cricket bit there was. But apart from that, nonetheless, we have that that has given us an extra day to look at some of the questions and comments that you've been sending in. Fred on Twitter uh, at at Frederick J Hayne one. No chance of you being hacked, Fred, with that Twitter name. That's very complicated. Says. Uh, sends a link to an article this, this this which is about this government plan that doctors will be able this is a, their way of helping with the fuel bill crisis doctors will be able to prescribe sort of um donations to your energy bill so if you go to the doctor and you can prove to the doctor that you really really are harmed by having no money for energy the doctor can prescribe money off your next energy bill now i don't think this is going to happen for a number of reasons first of all if someone goes into the doctors and says i've been rather ill lately and one of the things that i've just thought doctor i'm not a medical man like you but might be contributing to my ill health of late is the fact that i haven't been able to afford my energy bill so my electric and gas have been cut off so i haven't eaten for three weeks and i've been living in a blanket in the fucking corner huddling up to a dying poodle for warmth do you think that's contributed to my health I think most doctors will agree, yes, I think it probably has. Or they will do it. Liz Trust, we don't know. She might bring it in and then it'll be other things as well. Food as well. When people are, when there's millions of people starving in the country, you can go to the doctors. And uh, I wonder if my, I wonder if my blurred vision and headaches is a result of the fact that I've been living off bugs that have been crawling around the corner of the kitchen for the last month. Of course, these things affect people's health. So that's, and of course, every doctor, most doctors are decent, aren't they? Every doctor's going to go, yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, the, the government's going to want to sack all the doctors or something. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, that I quite, that's a very good spot there, Fred, on Twitter. Ian Wood on Patreon says, what the fuck is going on with bonkers trust? Completely bonkers trust. I'm quite looking forward to it. She's got this sort of amazingly robotic, 
manifest. And she doesn't agree with any of these things in any case. She said also, so it turned out this week that she supported charges of £10 to see the doctor. So that'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? If she brought in both of those things. So you have to pay £10 to see the doctor. And then when you got there, you said, the, the trouble is, doctor, I don't seem to have enough money for me energy bills. And the doctor will go, I... Well, you're quite right. So I'm going to prescribe to you five pounds. And people go, I've been going to this doctor. It's marvellous. Every time I pay him ten pounds, he prescribes me five pounds from the government. The only thing is, I seem to be even worse off than before. So she supported charges of ten pounds to see a doctor and doc cutting doctors' pay. And she said she's changed her mind since then. She supported remaining in the EU, but now she's a strong Brexiter. Uh, she was in the Lib Dems. Now she says she can't stand the Lib Dems. I wonder, I might be being cynical here, if she actually doesn't believe anything that she says. She just says whatever she thinks is going to suit her personally at the time. And I, maybe there'll be more. We'll find out that in 1985, she was in Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party. And in Mexico, she ran a drugs cartel. And I think in a futuristic world of robots, she'll become a robot, but get thrown out of the robot society for being too robotic. Uh, Aaron on Patreon asks, now this is not a question I would have anticipated. Do you remember Felix the Cat? Now, Felix the Cat was one of those old fashioned cartoons, black and white thing, drawn very much like a real cat. It didn't have any human qualities to it much, although maybe it spoke, which is a slight human quality rather than that of a cat, I suppose. But apart from that, it looked very cat-like in one of those old-fashioned, almost like you know, back in the 1950s when we shouldn't indulge children by offering them cartoons that are not realistic. Much better that they watch a, an actual cat and ideally at the end of episode three, it dies to teach them about life, the sort of thing you'd get in about 1958. But now, it did spring to mind when I watched this, when I looked at this question and thought about Felix the Cat, about Mickey Mouse. Now, I think, you could disagree with me, that this is quite interesting. I read uh, an article by Stephen J. Gould, an amazing uh, biologist who's no longer with us, uh, and it was about the evolution of Mickey Mouse. Because Mickey Mouse was a sort of mouse version of Felix the Cat, very mouse-like, drawn a bit, well, not like an actual mouse, but it wasn't drawn sympathetically. And over the, this was back in the 30s, over the last 80, 90 years, Mickey Mouse has been drawn differently. So, for example, his head has become progressively bigger. In the Second World War, he was supposed to be a sort of serious mouse that was campaigning for to, in America to get people to support going into the war and stuff. So he became a bit more serious, but also a bit more childlike. And the reason that his head has been was drawn bigger progressively is that a baby's head, a human baby's head, is bigger proportionate to the rest of the body than uh, than an adult's head. And so one of the ways of making any creature look more babyish and therefore more lovable and instinctively we can't help but just love it more and want to protect it is if you make the if you make the the head of something bigger in the proportion to the rest of its body. So it clearly wasn't a coincidence. And so Mickey Mouse, said Stephen Jay Gould, got progressively more baby-like and then more lovable the more he the more he went on. Uh, with Felix the Cat, they've not really they've not really done that. They need to learn a lesson. And I think Aaron on Patreon, by alerting us to the ways of this cartoon uh, cartoon cat, has 
has, has said something very, very important. As anybody knows who has ever even attempted to find out what the fuck is going on, you need a range of opinion, including those of the youth, who are generally stupid, but you need their perspective. That is why I bred someone just over 26 years ago. Elliot Steele, hello. 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 Uh, now, uh, first of all, we should let the, we should let the listeners know, because um, last time you were telling us about an unpleasant incident that happened at jiu-jitsu, and that got worse. Yeah, that, that, that escalated quite quickly, didn't it, into uh, what was uh, a medical emergency. Yes. Uh, yeah. A medical I, emergency, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hospital, surgery. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, it was pretty bad. Well, from my perspective, I thought we were going to watch the Palace-Liverpool match. Didn't know where you were. Started watching it, thinking, oh, he must be watching it with his mates in the pub. Then you rang, and I thought, oh, where is he? And you were at King's College Hospital, having just come out of being in an anest- general anaesthetic. Yeah. And then to add to my sense of like bewilderment at all this, about a minute later, I said to you, oh, hang on, Wilf's got through here. He's bound to blast it over the bar. Oh, my God, Palace have gone one up against Liverpool. And that's um Yeah, do you remember when I asked you if you could come drop some stuff off? You went, what like after the game? And I was like, Well no, visiting hours are shutting quite soon. And you're like, Oh, all right, I'll come down then. Well I did, I brought a kid back. <laughs> but yeah, I... <laughs> you were like, well, up against Liverpool in my defence. <laughs> Um, uh, but you will. I, I'm going to tell the full story of everything that happened on BTEC Philosophers tomorrow. If people want to hear it. Oh, okay, um, right, right, yeah. What the full medicals? Like we, yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be, able, we wouldn't have time to go into everything that sort of has happened uh, no. on this podcast. It's quite a shorter segment, but yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. And you've I'm been right. rearranged. You're all right now, and you've been oh, rearranged yeah, yeah, in I'm that fine. department now. They yeah, put yeah, everything yeah, straight they, and untwisted it. Basically, it yeah, they. Long story short, they had to like uh, stop the bleeding, oh. um, and there was a slight burst on one of my testicles that I had to sock or something. It, I, I tell, I, I'll tell you this: this is this is when I knew it was fucked. When I so the Sunday when I went into the hospital, they just tested blood and urine and everything was fine, and they were like, "You're okay. We're going to send you home, but tomorrow you need to come in for an ultrasound because we don't do ultrasounds on Sunday because." The ultrasound well, it's a normal day. What yeah, would well, Jesus have thought about yeah. ultrasounds being whizzing and pinging about on people's uh, nuts on a fucking Sunday? Science, have some science, respect. Science loves to bang on about how it's disproven God, but seems to follow a lot of the fucking <laughs> rules of the Sabbath, if you ask me. Because, um, you know, also there's no stabbings in South London on Sunday, famously. <laughs> Sunday, this is, it was for some reason, all the gangs make an agreement, like Manny yeah, yeah. Pacquiao's fighting or something and we're in the Philippines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, and, yeah. Uh, and so I go in, I woke up on a Sunday and was like, I, I don't even think I should be going in because I'm just wasting everyone's time. What's going to happen is I'm going to go in, they're going to give me some painkillers, send me home. I went in for the ultrasound. First bit of the ultrasound is fine. Like, I'm having a laugh with the people. And the second bit, the vibe in the room changed. Like, the vibe just changed between the two doctors. And I was like, oh, I don't like how the vibe has now shifted. 
And what they sort start, of thing? What are they suddenly like somber so like music? Was, like yeah. a bit in a film where the, there's a child and he can't be found and it started dun, raining dun, all of a sudden. Dun, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, no, it's, so they. Uh, I was like having a laugh with the person because I had to like ultrasound my balls, so I was finding it quite like. So they're doing the left one, which is fine. They go to the right one, and that's the one that's swollen. And they they then wouldn't answer any of my questions. Because they're like they're like saying things like oh we've got uh, low blood flow to this area and I and they're like and I go oh is that bad and they're like you have to ask the doctor and uh, they're not they're not giving me an answer which isn't good uh, so then they let me out of there two hours go by I'm just waiting around and I I think oh well two hours have gone by so it's not that serious the doctor's going to have looked at it and gone oh, he's, he's all right. He would just need to give him some painkillers and send him home. And I go in and this, there's just this dude who just looks at me like just straight faced. And he's like, we're going to prep you for surgery. And they, I'm like, when am I having, I'm like, what is there any other way? He's like, there is no other way. I went, when's the surgery? He went within three hours, as long as nothing, no one else comes in needing major surgery. And I was just like, fuck. And then they start lead, reading me the list of things that can go wrong. Um, right I don't know if you've ever had a doctor look at you in the eye and say 5% chance of chronic scrotal pain chronic scrotal pain chronic scrotal pain that means scrotal pain that never goes away never goes away never goes away 5% 5% that's a 19 to 1 shot that's a big that's a big shot that's you wouldn't you would that's you know you but, would you would you bet on that like for a five hundred quid? You wouldn't, would you? So the way so the way I the way I I I spun it is I went if you had a nineteen to one accumulator, you'd cash out on it. That's how yes. I had to spin it in myself. Yeah, <laughs> I had to go on if bet you had fair. To, yeah, I went. On I bet went, fair, you, you'd, you'd take you, the money, wouldn't you? If you put twenty quid on. And you, there was a possibility of ninety quid, and then it went up to twenty quid or something. Uh, sorry, went up to about twenty five quid. You, you take it. You go. All right, I've, I've made my money. I've paid. I've paid for my beers. Um, yeah, uh, there'll be some and... degenerate gamblers listening to this, going, "No, never cash out." But I, <laughs> I, I can still see all my family. So let's not listen to you. And I haven't. I haven't. I haven't ruined everyone around me's lives. I forgot. So- <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, you know, uh, yeah, you know, the house. It now, it now belongs to Dave up at the Queen's Arms. Yeah, a, a gambler would have smashed himself in the other testicle and then bet that one as well and seen <laughs> seen what his comeback would be. I've just not, I've not got that dog in me. Um, <laughs> oh no! So, so so yeah, when he said uh, five plus five, plus, I was like, "Fuck!" And they start li- reading this list of things, and I, I get why they have to do it. Like in hindsight, I went, "Oh, uh, it, because the NHS." Um, this is this is my evaluation of the NHS. Is either the person you're working with is phenomenal, the person who's working there is phenomenal, or dreadful. There is no in between. <laughs> there is no. They are either a high level fucking scientist, and I'm amazed that they that they did that for free, or I'm like, 
yeah, this is what we get for having a free healthcare system. This is totally, <laughs> this is totally what I should be private. Like those, those are the two things you go through when you're there. And, and I get it because I saw when I was in the recovery ward, um, like in that ward you came into. Yeah. So with the kebab. Uh, yeah, with a kebab. The guy across from me was basically like his days were just numbered. He was fucked. He was, he was dying. And, uh, but he was then being a cunt to everybody. Like he was just horrible. Like, I mean, really horrible to all the staff who were trying to help him. So I'd complain about this person, complain about that person, start yelling at them, start yelling at them. And at which point you were just kind of like, Oh, right. They, yeah. I, you're no wonder these people fucking. Cause then when I start, would try to chat to the nurses and stuff, they wouldn't like have any conversation with you. But then sort of when I was like to him, I was like, hey, man, come on, they're just trying their hardest, like, leave them be. They were a bit more nicer to me. They were a bit more chatty. Right. And then I realized, like, oh, yeah, they have to deal. They have to deal with someone who's dying, so they can't be rude to them. But they have to still, like, care for this person who's being horrible to them, that they're trying to help, who's there through no fault of his own, a fucking, well, well, I'm sorry. I don't know if he wasn't there for no fault of his own, but, but like the only thing you can kind of take on it is, well, at least he'll be dead soon and someone else will be in here. Like there'll be, it, it seems like a really morbid job that you have to work. Yeah, you're in. only in there for a day. So there weren't much chance of him being in and out with someone replacing him in that time. No, no, but he, uh, he was, he was, and he had the TV on too loud. So I was a little bit like, like during the night, he'd have the TV on. I was a little bit like, come on, let's, Come on, come on, Tuma, do your magic. Let's let's get this. <laughs> I need some beauty sleep. Let's let's hurry this up, shall we? <laughs> Thank you very much for explaining what the fuck is going on. The ninety nine point eight percent still functioning, Elliot Steele. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it, and if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered absolutely definitely you have to by law write review if there is anything at all that you think i should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it please send me a message on twitter at wtf is going on pod and we will look at every message that you send if you would like to become a wtf supporter and get early access to ad free extended versions with bonus sketches and all sorts of other privileges too long to mention for just four pounds a month please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? Was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Jenny Colgan and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. Produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on? Was brought to you by WTF Productions. WTF.